Welcome to the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech this week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash TEH56. This week, we have all four regular hosts. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of thisistrue.com, the oldest entertainment feature on the internet, and the meme site, randysrandom.com. I'm Gary Rosenzweig, the host and producer behind MacMost.com, where I post Apple tutorials all week long. I also do WPTipsAndHacks.com, where I post WordPress tips and hacks all week long. And I create mobile games. You can find those at CleverMedia.com. I'm Leo Notenboom, lover of coffee, corgis, and computers, not always in that order. And of course, I'm the Leo behind AskLeo.com. I'm Kevin Savitz, a lover of uh, pugs and printables. <laughs> Find that out. I don't know. <laughs> Not always in that order. Uh, and creator of FactsZero.com. Cool. You need to think All of right. something. Uh, how do you describe FactsZero and something that starts with the letter P? Mm, remote printing. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, so what have we been doing this week? I digitizing. Uh, I just got back from Vegas. Woohoo. Uh, there for meetings. And uh, since I was in town and a buddy found out I was in town, he said, Come to my wedding Saturday. So I stayed an extra day. And uh, no Elvis was involved. Ooh. And that, that's not a proper Vegas. I don't think it's legal in <laughs> Vegas. If yeah. There's not an Elvis involved. It was actually a dignified service, even though there's only four witnesses in the audience. Sounds suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> That's not legal in Vegas at all. <laughs> I'm sure it's expensive too. I don't know what the package costs, but he got he got his choice of seven pictures from the professional photographer, or he could pay for more. Was this at one of those wedding chapel type things, or yeah, it was really? basically in a storefront, um, you know, kind of in an older part of town. But uh, um, and was this was, a, a long dignified wedding, or or more tr- you know Vegas traditional spur of the moment? Uh, it was actually planned. It's their, the third for each of them, and both of them said, ain't going to do it again, no matter what. Uh-huh. Hmm. Sounds super dignified then. <laughs> 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 All right, that's enough of that. Kevin, what are you doing? Uh, I've been busy uh, digitizing uh, old computer stuff, which is something that I, I do sometimes. A um, couple, couple of the interesting things that uh, happened by my my. Uh, digitization station this week uh, where uh, years ago I bought um, some, some Japanese uh, records um, 45s that were uh, with super Mario art on it. And I thought they were pretty and I might put them up in in my arcade or something. And uh, um, these were published in the, in the 86 or so. And uh, with interesting art of super Mario, you know, doing his Mario jumping around on, with mushrooms and things. And I bought these records and uh, I never put them up as art and I never really listened to them. And uh, so this week I'm just like, why do I, I still have these things? So I decided to digitize the art and the music on them and uh, did that. And I have a, I have a nice uh, record, uh, record player that uh, has USB out. And so I just plugged it into my Mac and digit, the digitization of, of the uh, audio. And that's a lot of fun. And uh, I listened to I have, one of them, and it was nice and clean. It didn't have pops and scratches. Well, yeah, I don't think the records have had ever really been played. <laughs> so <laughs> certainly not, not by me in the you know nine years since I, I bought them. Um, 
And uh, so I uploaded them to uh, the Internet Archive, and so they're there. Uh, if you're vaguely interested, I would recommend um, listening to them now and maybe downloading them before the DMCA takedown notice comes from Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone in particular that you thought was extra good? Yes, I will put a link to it. There, there, uh, several of them are um, just kind of Japanese synth pop sort of stuff like you'd expect. But one of them that I particularly love is a string quartet playing, wow. playing the Super Mario theme in a minor key in three-quarter time. So, okay, I want to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's really quite good, actually. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of a different take on the song. And uh, so I'll put a, a link to that one. The other thing that I digitized this week uh, was uh, I had interviewed last year a man named uh, Chuck uh, Kulas who who did some programs, some games for the Atari 800 computer. Um, he um, is kind of probably best known for doing the Atari port of uh, the arcade game Up and Down, which was a car car driving game. Um, and he had mentioned when I had interviewed him some time ago that he had started a game. Uh, called Leafer Madness, <laughs> and uh, the game involved a caterpillar, and he had created the game, created the demo of it, and it had shown off uh, by a publisher at CES, and he had gotten, the publisher had gotten several hundred orders for, for the game based on the, the demo that was showing. Um, and then so he worked on the game for a while and he brought another version back to the, the publisher and the publisher was just gone. You know, this now it was, you know, 84, 85 or something. And he just, the company had disappeared. So he dropped it, but he still had the floppy disks. And uh, last week sent me the five and a quarter floppy disks with the Atari software on it. And I managed to get all of them to read. And so now um, we have, this playable demo of this caterpillar game where you crawl around and avoid spiders and look at pretty pictures of flowers and, uh, and the source code for this game. So I posted this to one of the Atari forums and some of the Atari people are very excited by that. And there's talk now of finishing the game. Somebody might step in and uh, change this playable demo into a, a completed game after 30 some odd years. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So yeah, digitizing old stuff is uh, a lot of fun. Cool. What about you, Leo? Oh, you guys have been having fun. I've been prepping for taxes. That's exciting. That's about as exciting as my, oh, joy. my week has gotten. So uh, yeah, that's really about it. Gary? Move yeah. On. <laughs> uh, well, in addition to that, I uh, did prepping for taxes also. I, uh, I guess I started making my next course. I asked my uh, my Patreon, uh, you know, uh, contributors, uh, what they thought my next course should be. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people more, much more than any other topic seem to think there needs to be a course on iCloud. So I started building it. So hopefully, uh, I'm, you know, going to take my time and, and build each lesson carefully. And then, uh, hopefully in a few weeks, I'll have a new course on iCloud, which will be interesting because it's the first time I'm going to do a course that's not like just for one piece of hardware. I and mean, this will be for Mac and iOS because iCloud, of course, encompasses them both. So a little challenge from a, from a screen recording standpoint. <laughs> Is there not also a uh, uh, P3 
PC access for uh... yeah there's uh there's iCloud.com right so there's the web based uh, thought they had a, a PC client also I could be wrong but uh, maybe for accessing files and stuff yeah it's interesting maybe I should I should address that one too I was gonna I wasn't even thinking about that but um, good point that would be interesting at any rate and you know mm-hmm. So, Randy, what day is it today? Oh, it's Monday. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's also Data Privacy Day, which I had no idea has been happening since January of 2008. And that was an extension of the Data Protection Day that started in Europe in January 1981, which is mind-boggling. And there's also... an. Uh, Data Privacy Month, which is October. I had no idea about that either. I guess they've been kind of keeping this information private. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> when I first saw it here on, on our list of things to talk about, I thought it said National Piracy Day. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, talk like a pirate day. That's in September. That's September 19th. Yeah, I was going to be like, hey, competing. Uh... It's funny. There's a, there's a day for everything. I happen to stumble across, of all things, um, World Backup Day which is uh, coming up in March, March the 31st. So, uh, you know, you'd think after doing what I do for, you know, over 15 years, I would have learned about it sooner. But uh, mm-hmm. I only heard about it, I think, last year or the year before. I think if you're backing up just one day a year, you're doing it wrong. But yeah, every day is data backup. Yeah, you know what? For a, lot of, that than... for a lot of people, if they back up one day a year, that's an improvement. Right. True. Yesterday, my uh, my kid talked to the the uh, the uh, the Alexa dingus, and you know she says good morning to it. And it gives you a little factoid, and it said that it was uh, National Chocolate Cake Day, which I don't know who makes that decision. But from then, it was a foregone conclusion that we were making chocolate cake for dessert, and sure enough, we did. So <laughs> uh, I guess if if our Alexa can force us to have chocolate cake for dessert, then maybe National Backup Day can force people to back up their computer once a year. I wonder if, I wonder if uh, Alexa will remember that. So Interesting. Every uh, March 14th, uh, my family finds an excuse to go get pie. So, uh, Sure. Yeah. Pie day, absolutely. Uh, yeah. you, don't, you don't need an excuse to get pie. You're doing it wrong. Again, if you're, doing, <laughs> yeah. you're doing it once a year. It's like backing up. If you're doing it once a year, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, not, it's definitely way more than once a year, but we make sure that that particular day, there is always pie. Mm. And of course, you know, May the 4th. Right, exactly. So we we watched Phantom Menace or something, <laughs> something that we <laughs> that we should only do, you know, once a year. That's pretty good. Uh, let's see. So can I rant? You oh, might have please. Rant, you rant, always rant, do. Rant. Go I for it. Do? Oh, dear, I you rant. often do. Let's put it that way. Um. So I, within the last couple of weeks, I've run across a couple of headlines that talk about how uh, two-factor authentication has been hacked, which, which, you know, it actually the, the news that it's working off of is actually turns out to be about six months old. Uh, there's a, uh, a kit that's available for hackers, if they're so inclined, that supposedly make uh, intercepting two-factor authentication, if used in a successful phishing attempt, uh, easier. Uh, my frame of mind, of course, is that if you fall for a phishing attempt, by and large, all bets are off anyway. But 
this is what's making the news. And the problem is the, the headlines that I've seen are all of the form basically sensationalizing this to the point where I've now heard from people asking if they should bother with two-factor authentication because hasn't it been hacked? Isn't it worthless anymore? Isn't it useless? And of course, uh, that gets my hackles up uh, to the point where uh, I wrote an article today about it again, uh, not you know having completely forgotten that I wrote a similar kind of article about it two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to publish them both because it's an important lesson. Uh, Two-factor authentication, yeah, it's not perfect. Nothing is. Uh, is it better than not having two-factor authentication at all? Absolutely. Uh, it is one of those things where it in absolutely sets an additional barrier to people hacking your account. Ignore the headlines. Ignore the sensationalistic headlines. We keep It's one of the things we keep running across here on, on the podcast is that there are these headlines that make things out to be way, way, way worse than they really are. Uh, can two-factor be hacked? Of course. Uh, it always could. In fact, uh, the techniques, some of the techniques that are making the headlines now even predate this hacking kit that came out uh, last year. Uh, it's one of those things where in search of clicks, uh, these, these headline writers are sensationalizing things to the point where they are now truly doing a deep disservice and misleading people into thinking that they shouldn't use tools like two-factor authentication when in fact they absolutely should. Um, it is most certainly uh, better than not having any two-factor at all. I first touched on this last year when uh, there was an exploit discovered with SMS two-factor uh, authentication specifically. Uh, it was a variation of what's been called SIM swapping, where if you call, if you basically do a uh, um, social engineering call into like your mobile phone provider, and convince them that you lost your phone when in fact, you know, you're really targeting somebody else's phone and they give you access to it by assigning it to the SIM that you happen to have. That way, of course, you can intercept all of the messages, not just SMS two-factor authentication. The variation was that somebody actually hacked a phone company or they actually uh, dealt with a rogue employee and uh, the way it was described, they um, hired the phone company to intercept messages to specific phone numbers and thereby were able to have, uh, you know, intercept SMS uh, authentications. Uh, hacking a phone company is not easy. Uh, hmm. Phone companies, definitely not easy. Um, phone companies are getting better about social engineering since it seems it's, it's so embarrassing to them when it happens and it becomes public. The one that uh, they're more recently talking about is specifically associated with phishing attempts. If you fall for a phishing attempt, then yes, if you fall for a phishing attempt specifically architected using this, this package, then they can intercept your uh, two-factor authentication, no matter what kind it is. But A, you have to be targeted. B, it has to be a phishing attempt that you fall for. It's just not as bad as the headlines make it seem. And like I said, people are choosing not to use two-factor because of these headlines. And that's just, obviously, it's got me irritated. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm working really hard to help people stay more secure. And these headlines are essentially working in the opposite direction. 
Well, it's like saying, hey, people can pick locks, so I'm not going to use my deadbolt or door lock on my front door. Well, the scenario that I was thinking of earlier today was it's like leaving your car unlocked because they could break in the window. Well, we, most people don't break in the window, so you definitely have some advantage to locking your car. Among other things, it means that somebody whose car is unlocked is more likely to get stolen than, than yours. You know, uh, hackers and thieves go for low-hanging fruit. Don't be low-hanging fruit. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, throw SMS or throw two-factor any kind on the accounts that you consider to be important. Lord knows I do, um, and it's it's absolutely worth it. Can I tell a related story that happened this week? Please do. My sort of two-factor related, not exactly. Uh, my kid uh, uses a uh, gaming system called Roblox. Um, I honestly I don't know that much about it. it it's uh, it's the largest user-generated online gaming platform with over fifteen million games created by users and the number one gaming site for kids and teens. Um, and she uses it several times a week and she plays with her friends and, and it's kind of like a Lego Minecraft sort of thing. And she has a great time. Um, she reported to me the other day that she couldn't log in to her account. And she was a little upset. She, you know, start, starting to, you know, a couple of tears happening. And it's just like, okay, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. And through some investigation, um, you can you can look at a at a user uh, from you know I guess from an, she created another account and was like looking at at her her primary account and saw that uh, the avatar had changed and like the friend list had changed and we're just like oh your account's been hacked now kid is um, coming up on twelve and she and I have had discussions about what a password should be. Uh, you should not use the same password on more than one site. Your password should be pretty good. And I think she's taken those things to heart. And her password wasn't terrible, but somehow she got hacked. And she had never um, set up the, the, like there was a two-factor actually uh, a system on, on, on Roblox where they'll, they'll email you um, right. if you log in from a new system. And she had never set that up. She didn't understand what that was. And in fact, she had never really registered an email address. I'm just like, that's going to make it hard, you know? So I uh, used the, the Roblox support system to explain the situation and gave the username. It's like, you want to get back to this account and no response. And like three days later, I did another one and still no response. And then I reached out to them on Twitter, no response. Eventually they got back to me after more than a week on the first email. And they said, okay, well, you just need to do a, a password reset and use the email address that, that you used to, uh, uh, as your, your billing email address when you bought an upgrade. It was like, aha, I had spent a couple of dollars to upgrade her account um, and use my credit card and used, I used a different email address. So I, I managed to get her, her password reset and I made it a harder password and I set up two-factor for her and explained to her how, how that works. And now she's back into her account. So yay, problem solved. Yay. <laughs> yay. Huh. Now, what I was worried about was that she had her upgrades to her account. She had outfits that she had bought and, and yeah, maybe, maybe she's invested $15 total in, into her account um, uh, getting, getting upgrades. And I figured that, that was, was going to be gone, you know. Uh, in fact, 
not only were they not gone, the person who hacked her account added more features to her account. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. She has a couple more outfits now that she didn't have before. <laughs> so now we, we changed the password and it's locked down with two-factor and now she has some free stuff. <laughs> I wonder what, why would you try to hack into somebody's, because you could set up a free account, right? You start off free. Absolutely. And then, so yes. why bother to hack into somebody else's account? I mean, there's a couple her, little items. That, mm-hmm. She had a couple. Uh, nothing about her, her. Her account was just barely better than generic, uh, in, you know, in weird. terms of uh, items. Um, and she didn't have access to any special areas or anything. Uh, yeah. Why, why would you hack an account when, when you can just create an account for free? You have, and, and, then, and then why would you pay or, or add items to, a, to an account that you didn't own anyway? Do you have any sense how it got hacked? Any clues at all? No, not at all. Um, because the other scenario that comes to mind, and, and I see this all the time with some of my email addresses, is people who end up um, thinking it's theirs. Mm. By that I mean, you know, um, they, they typo something or they, they do whatever, but somehow in some weird misguided way, they're not hacking. They think they're accessing their own account. This is a site primarily for kids and teens. So it could, the reason, the actual reason could be anywhere on the spectrum from incompetence right. to a script kitty, you know, experimenting with just doing stuff because it's fun. Right. Um, uh, this person, whoever hacked her account, um, deleted all of her friends from her friend list and added their own friends and changed the outfit and, you know, the avatar, what the avatar looked like and, and stuff. So, um, who can say? I don't know. My my guess um, is that it was probably a, a couple other people on her friends list had also been hacked, one or two. So I I think it had to do with searching known names on friends lists, probably combined with uh, scripts that try passwords. That's my guess. Was it a tr- was it something that would have shown up on on those kind of of techniques? The password. Um. It was, I don't actually remember the password now, but it was, it wasn't, it was a couple of words and a number. It wasn't, you know, I, I would have given it a, you know, not bad, right. but it wasn't just like a single word and a one or something like right. that. I, I did try, you know, we talked last week about the site you can go to and see if your password's been owned. Um, and one of the things I tried with that, because I thought it would be an interesting experiment, was I tried making up you know, medium strength passwords. In other words, passwords that weren't dictionary words, but had like a word and a number after it, or the E was a three, or there mm-hmm. was a date format. That, and just to see if they would show up, because I always say, hey, if you, you create what you think is a unique password, but guess what? It's not. And I was, uh, I don't know, it's not surprised to find most of the things I came up with that were like words and numbers or dates or whatever did show up in that, you know, millions and millions of password list. Sure. as being there and if they're in that list that means they are in the uh you know the the things the tools that hackers use to break right. in right they're in the rainbow tables and whatever yep. else they use right and and those rainbow tables are actually much larger because they probably don't just you know if like uh you know rainbow 53 is there and rainbow 54 isn't there those algorithms are probably smart enough to try rainbow 54 anyway you know, even if it hasn't ever been used by somebody as a password. Right. So. 
So Kevin, the, you said that they've got two factors. Is this a simple email-based two-factor or is it something else? Yeah, it's email-based, um, which well, on one hand, I don't, well, I don't love that. However, it's going to my email address, which is, has two, fa- it's a Gmail account that has two factors. So. Right. <laughs> um, Three factor. I, yeah, right. So I, in, in general, I feel that my, just because I, I'm, I'm older and more tech savvy than a 12 year old. My email is probably uh, more locked down than hers. So it's less likely to be hacked. And so, and also it also means that she can't like, if she, I don't know if she were going to get in her head to try to log in the Roblox from school or something, which I don't think is allowed. She wouldn't be able to because it goes to my email address. So, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they do the smart thing where the, it's only the first time on a specific machine that they kick it in. Right? As far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as you clear cookies, it'll ask you again, but that's okay. And I don't know, if I had a kid, I think their email account would be pretty well locked down. Right. Well, she doesn't even have an email account um, okay. except for the one that the school gives her. And so I, I, that's really out of my control, but I, I certainly hope that, that they keep that pretty well locked down from emails from the outside world. One would hope. One would hope. Email from the outside world or just, you know, the the... The fact is that there's an administration there that absolutely will take care of whatever's going on with the email account if it's hacked or if it's being sure. missed or something like that. Right. Unlike the various and sundry free email accounts you can get out there where there's, like you've discovered, it takes a week to get a response and you are lucky to get a response at all. Yeah. 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 So. When I get, so I, when I get emailed to her, she, she knows if she needs to use an email address, she uses my email address and, and, and that uses the G- Gmail trick of uh, doing a, a plus sign. Right. Uh, so she does Savitz plus sign her name at gmail.com. And then uh, so it can, I can find that stuff easily. And now every listener knows what your email address is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's actually the email address that I don't really check. So you're welcome to email <laughs> Savitz at gmail.com. There's a chance I'll see it, but probably not. I'm in three, two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think my uh, my kids' uh, email, school provided email, is actually a Google, some sort of special Google Gmail product mm-hmm. thing that they've got with their school system. Yeah, so, so it's hers. She, yeah, so she doesn't. You know, it's interesting because it's like so it's a real email address, but I don't know if there's special protections on it. But she doesn't own it, right? She graduates. It's probably you know she won't have access to that anymore. I assume. Um, right. So it's kind of interesting. So of course she doesn't like to like to use it for anything except official school business. Sure. So, but then of course she's a teenager, so she doesn't like to use email for anything, period. (laughs) (laughs) The best way to keep a secret from her, send her an email with the information. (laughs) (laughs) We'll never know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's a teenager, but she's also just smart and emails pain in the butt and (laughs) she's just better off. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, um, I've been talking a lot, but I guess I'm next on the, in the news thing. Um, I just saw this few minutes before we started recording um, that a major FaceTime bug on the iPhone was found, which can let you hear the audio of the person you're calling before they pick up. Basically, in the OS, iOS 12.1 or later, there's a bug where you can you can call someone on FaceTime and you can do some 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 tricks on your phone and uh, then eavesdrop on audio and video before the person picks up or maybe they don't pick up. Um, 
So that's troubling, and I'm sure it'll be fixed. But I, I just thought I kind of wanted to think of a, the 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 broader picture on this, and just like we, we are all just like relying on well-behaved software all the time, just well, yeah. on, on our on our phones, on our Alexas, on our just everything in and our cars. Yes, our car, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just it's just. Mm we are just trusting all the time that software is well-designed and well-behaved and not hacked. And the little thing goes, you know, any little bug that sure. can, can screw everything up. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's reality. <laughs> I read the, uh, the story too. A couple notes about it is, uh, well, first I didn't like, and this relates to what Leo said earlier, the um, somebody, uh, they talked about it being a privacy uh, a big privacy issue with Apple. And, and I think, you know, a privacy issue is like the stuff Facebook's been dealing with where mm. it's like they designed it to be like this. And now it's people are like, no, that's not proper for privacy. Apple didn't design this. They didn't want this. It's a bug. It's a bug issue, right. not a privacy issue. But the, um, the other thing is Apple acknowledged it pretty much immediately that this is a bug and said there will be a fix this week. Um, another thing is that it's not a quiet eavesdropping thing it's two-way so if somebody actually uses this trick and does all the things and it works uh they're not quietly listening to you you actually are listening or seeing them Mm. as well so it's kind of noticeable you know you're first you do get the call so it's not like it just happens it's like oh somebody's calling me on facetime and then you don't answer and now suddenly if it works the way that it does in the articles i haven't tested it then suddenly you are connected even though you didn't hit the okay button, but you could see that you're connected or right. he, hear that you're connected if it's an audio call. So not as completely dangerous as if somebody just started listening on your iPhone and you didn't even know that they tried to call you. Sure. Um, but yeah, these bugs are just, uh, you just have to soon. I mean, all of our, I have, I've got two devices here with an earshot that are listening for the correct words for me to say. We're not. <laughs> Only two? Um, so to be clear, all the headlines I've seen have talked about audio, but this is actually affecting video as well? I, I don't know. I, the, uh, one the article, article I read, yes. yeah, the one article I, I read, they said uh, it did, but then it looked like their test was kind of limited. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, you know, but the thing is you do need to get that. You will get a call. It will, your phone, right. or your iPad will ring. Sure saying somebody's calling you for this to happen. It's not going to happen. But, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. And this will be fixed, but your yeah. phone, your phone might've been on silent or you might've been asleep or whatever. And then someone's, which did you think I see the thing this week? I just thought of it earlier. Uh, a, a guy was, was Twitch streaming. Uh, he, he's doing a gameplay Twitch stream thing and he fell asleep. <laughs> when he woke up three hours later, he had 200 people watching him sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah well, there's something for everybody else. <laughs> best numbers i noticed uh you know now that i pay attention to um like wordpress stuff uh, i saw on reddit somebody was twitch streaming them uh, working on a theme developing a new theme so you know twitch is yeah you can watch people playing Fortnite or you know whatever game you want casual games or hardcore games but you also can watch people program and design and do all sorts yeah. of things nice so yeah, it's like you could be, you could have an audience, right? I'm sure I could probably do my Mac most, you know, record an episode and have a computer doing a Twitch stream. And I'd have a couple people maybe just curious about 
my techniques, watching me do it. What was that free video streaming service a while back? Um, Ustream, I think. Oh yeah, Ustream. Yeah, they still it around. Sounds kind of like that because you know you could you, anybody could just set up a stream and off it would go. Uh, Twitch yeah. certainly seems to have the uh, um, the user base now. Yeah. Uh, and I forget now who owns Twitch. Is that another Facebooky thing or? I don't think so. But somebody else owns Twitch. Oh. I'll ask Google. Uh, it says Amazon. Twitch. Amazon, yeah. Oh, Amazon, that's what it is. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've got the, the user base um, of, you know, starting with gamers, but as you've seen, they're doing a lot more. Heck, um, when we were watching the SpaceX launch uh, some weeks ago, uh, it was available in several places, one of which was a Twitch stream. Ustream, if you go to their site, now redirects to uh, the future of video with Watson at IBM. So IBM, huh. apparently, some point. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So the one thing constant around here is that whatever it is today, it'll be different in a couple of years. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and to go back to the comment that you were you were making, Kevin, uh, you know, there's a there's a certain amount of cognitive what is it cognitive di dissonance mm -hmm. uh, dissonance that, that um, computer programmers need to I'll just say embrace because on one hand uh, you know how the sausage is made right yet you're willing to eat it anyway oh, it's uh, so, it's sausage is so tasty and good it is it is except every once in a while it makes you sick. Um, <laughs> It's 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 scary sometimes. You're right. I agree. Like I said, I've, I've I know how the sausage is made. Certainly at Microsoft, and I've seen some of that happening. But I've also seen the other side, where you know things do work more often than they not, and they really do add value. But yes, it's uh, it's sometimes scary. I have made the comment on more than one occasion that uh, it's amazing that anything works at all. Right. That's true. And especially, I mentioned cars earlier, a lot of people will think immediately to things like autonomous vehicles, but I'm even going back further than that. So many, you know, regular, you know, your regular run-of-the-mill car now that you buy off the lot, um, there's like a dozen computers in the thing, uh, controlling all sorts of random things from how the engine fires to how the brakes get applied. And, uh, yep, that's all software. Some individual who you, who you hope was having a good day mm -hmm. wrote that software. Mm. Yeah. We're all going to die. Well, <laughs> yeah. Or we're all going to live because maybe it'll make things. Because <laughs> there's yeah software in our brains, right, that's running this stuff. And it's very unpredictable right. software that sometimes has people veering into other lanes and <laughs> at not some breaking. Point, or, yeah. At some point with when autonomous vehicles get better, which is going to be very soon, there's going to be have to be code that decides, okay, some stuff's going down. Who, who's going to die? The you trolley know? problem. The infamous trolley problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Funny because I was watching. Um, I'm watching the Good Place. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Such a good, such a good show. It is a good show. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I, I latched on to, we, we tried the first couple of episodes when it first came out and for whatever reason, it just didn't click. And now over the past few months, it's been getting all these awards and so many people react exactly the way you guys just did. So I decided fine when I'm on the elliptical, I'll start watching an episode. Um, and sure enough, I'm, I'm having a good time with it. But anyway, uh, in the middle of season two, I think it is, they actually have the trolley problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being what it is, of course, they make it real. and You actually do run over some people or fake people or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's a real problem that uh, not only is a philosophical one, but is a very real problem for autonomous vehicles that are going to have to make, basically make decisions. Not do you kill anybody, but no, who do you kill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do you choose to kill? It's a it's a good show. I, I would love to have seen the pitch for that show. Okay, our show is going to be about, be about philosophy and ethics. It's a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No thanks. Wait, wait. Kristen Bell is going to be the star. Oh well. But wait, we're gonna okay. we're gonna base it in in hell. How about that? <laughs> oh, spoiler. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everybody's heard of it by now. No, <laughs> I didn't until a few weeks ago. <laughs> I was still operating oh, well. on the original premise that it was all in the good place. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the, I've I've talked a lot. Uh, I don't know if it was on our show or elsewhere about you know the trolley problem. And one of the things about the trolley problem when applied to cars, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles is you're applying a, a like a binary problem. You know, saying that it's this or this. You know, choose between the two. In reality, there's it's not binary. There's tons of data. And it's never, this is definitely going to happen, or this is definitely going to happen. Pick one. Right. It's a ton of data, and there is probably one of those situations where there's a, a small chance for a good outcome or a better chance for a not as bad outcome, and it's, it's very, very detailed. And the autonomous vehicle computers are already well beyond the point of deciding binary things they're already looking at lots of information mm-hmm. and making you know choices that are not binary they're simply go a little bit to the left or a little sure. bit to the right but with, with the trolley down. problem it's do you flip the switch yeah. or not i mean yeah, it's really flip, a right. binary thing right. right exactly so that's why it kind real of life is much more complicated it, than that it, right exactly so so yeah but you know it's going to be uh it, it's going to be interesting when our when we stop having to worry about getting car insurance but our the AIs in our car need to get insurance. <laughs> right. Well, I, there's a pretty good chance that the AIs flaws and all mm-hmm. will likely be better drivers than the vast majority of people on the road today. I think, I think Tesla's already back. said that their data show that uh, their cars get in fewer accidents when it's in self-driving right. than when the driver is driving. Right. So, I think, and that's still fairly crude software. It is still mm-hmm. fairly crude and it's a limited, um, a limited scenario because you don't put it into uh, a ton, or, I'm sorry, um, driving assist um, unless you're in a situation where driving assist really makes sense. But um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the problems I have with uh, Tesla is their marketing because people tend to refer to it as autopilot or um, they don't, sometimes they, they actually do confuse autonomous with what, is actually, what it's actually doing. Uh, so people expect a lot more from it than it's able to actually do. Well, an autopilot doesn't land your plane for you and steer you around I, mountains. I, I understand. It keeps you I, going straight. I understand that. It keeps you straight and level in the direction you pointed the plane in. 
But a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think, you know, cars, autopilot, oh my God, it's self-driving. Even just the term self-driving doesn't really encompass everything that um, is possible. I can go so, into the back of my Winnebago and make coffee. Exactly. Uh, and some people have done that, right? One of the early accidents was... No, it, it's an urban legend, actually. It never no, happened. but there, there was the guy in the Tesla who was watching a movie. Oh, uh, right. While he was killed. And he got killed. Um, so, yeah, the terminology is, is one of those things. To go back to, to the trolley Movies problem, to die for. <laughs> the, the, the issue that I see, and this actually transcends technology, is that people understand binary. They understand yes and no. They understand either or. They don't understand statistics. They don't understand probability. And that's when things get really confusing because you need to justify things based on probability when people really want absolutes. Uh, can you guarantee that a self-driving car will never kill you? No, you can't. You can simply make it highly improbable, which is essentially probably better than, like I said, what you've got on the road today. Um, but a lot of the barriers that people put up to accepting technology or, or other kinds of decisions is that it must meet an absolute standard that simply can't be met. Yep. Boy, I'm on a rant today, aren't I? God. Yeah. <laughs> How well, many coffees have you had today? <laughs> well, I've had my usual two pots. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> this hour. <laughs> so, anyway, Randy, you've got something a little bit more positive to talk about. Yeah, I, I caught this today in uh, Android Police that um, Samsung Electronics has promised to use more environmentally uh, conscious packaging. You know, you get your new phone and it's in a really high-end box and it's in a plastic tray and it's wrapped with plastic and your little charger cube has a glossy finish so they put plastic around that so it doesn't get scratched and then you take it all apart and you throw it all away and you use your phone. So it's astounding the quantity of plastics and other garbage that, you know, when you sell a billion phones a year, you're going to have a lot of it. So they're saying that by, I think it's 2021, that they're um, going to be using things like paper trays instead of plastic and other things that are a little bit more environmentally friendly, which I think is a nice trend. You know, in, the, in the old days, they used to sell, I mean, the old, old days, they used to sell software in plastic baggies. That's what they used to do with phones. Just get a phone in, the, in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> or so or how about a paper envelope? Yeah, there you go. Randy, are you are are they did the article talk about if that's moving on to Samsung corporate or are they just focusing on the phones? Because they're basically oh. saying all of their electronics and they're a very large manufacturer, as you they're know. Huge. They're absolutely huge. Yeah. I mean Apple's been doing the paper packaging for a while now. It's got a thin layer of plastic to seal it in, but the box and you know what would be padding and stuff is all paper product. The, uh, the, Dell that I, the Dell that I just got, um, you know, besides the shipping container, of course, yeah, all the, the spacers that keep it floating inside that box, the, the box inside the box, uh, those, you know, everything was all either paper or uh, recyclable cardboard, with the exception of a couple of, you know, plastic wrappers around, you know, to protect the, the shiny finish, uh, which I thought was, it's an improvement. It's better than a lot of things come. Certainly those big, big pieces of foam um, are incredibly difficult to deal with, and I'm certain they're not recyclable in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and that's another thing they mentioned, that 
they're going to start making their little charger cubes matte finish so it doesn't need a plastic coating on it. Perfect. We never needed it to be glossy. Yeah, we never needed it to be glossy. Yeah, that's a good point. Never thought of that. It's funny because there's another, um, gosh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but there was another article or two about how some other industries, especially in food service, are moving to or considering moving to what they call the milkman model where uh, they end up selling you product in recyclable or reusable containers like the milkman used to do, right? They would deliver the milk to your door and then you'd leave the empty bottles out and they'd pick them up the next delivery. Uh, the, uh, the picture accompanying the article was essentially a metal haagen tub, right? So a metal oh, ice Oh, I saw tub. that one too, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. And it dawned on me that there's a real opportunity here because we've got people coming to our door all the time from the same company. Imagine if Amazon got into the pickup uh, process as well. In other words, Mm. if you wanted to recycle everything from Amazon boxes to the metal ice cream container to the glass milk bottles, whatever, um, if they would just pick it up while they were dropping things off and taking it back to a central location, that would be a very, very interesting Uh, uh, you know, solution to a problem. I know it's not dirt cheap by any stretch. I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure involved in dealing with that, but um, it seems like an opportunity. Well, you know, that, that, uh, I mean, because if you think about it, if they have an Amazon branded delivery truck Mm -hmm. or subcontractor, I mean, it's leaving full and it's coming back empty. Right. You know, use that space more wisely by filling it up with, with Amazon boxes. Uh, certainly I could have a space on my porch where there could be a designated little sign that says, you know, for any Amazon person delivering, pick this up. Um, I like that idea. Yeah, I, recycling, I, electronics recycling. Uh, yeah. Sure yeah. I would, I would absolutely do exactly the same thing. I would, I would make space on my porch specifically for this. Oh, by the way, last week we talked about how I was going to be recycling my MacBook that had the expanding battery. Yes. In it, mm. so that that all went down, right? I went back to pick up my my uh, MacBook, my my current one, which they had fixed, and um, and I brought the old one, the 2009 MacBook Air with the expanding battery, unannounced, just showed up. They gave me they gave me mine and said, "Oh," and I said, oh, "Great, now I have something else." And I showed them this, and I said, "I was." I, I know you guys take recycling, so I wanted to turn this in. And they said, uh, first they said, oh, well, actually we don't. We have a service, but they send a box. It's free. They send a box. You put it in the box. You send it. And I said, that's great, except I can't do that with this because the battery is expanding. You can't send that through you know, uh, mail or whatever. And they were like, that's, that's a really good point. Give us a minute. And I went in the back, <laughs> and really it was just a minute later, after telling me that they didn't do that, they came out and said, well, here's a form. You sign that, you surrender it to us, and we'll figure it out. And that was, that was great. So, and they threw it in the dumpster. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably, but... Uh, the Air Express somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they did with it, but it was nice that they just were like, we'll figure it out. And, so to, and- to follow up on mine, I had the Microsoft Surface with the expanding battery. Mm-hmm. And I uh, looked online, and there were some recycled places, and I contacted one of them, and they said no. <laughs> um, I contacted my local, my county 
uh, they manage the electronics recycling uh, for this area. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I've got this, this laptop slash tablet. It's got an expanding battery in it. The battery can't come out. I have to recycle the whole thing. And uh, they said, okay, uh, you can take that over here. And there's this obscure warehouse. It's called PC Recycle out here. And they clearly take lots and lots of recycling. But it was one of those cases where I walked up to them and I said, hey, here's this thing, here's the problem. And they said, yeah, no problem, we'll take it. And they presumably threw it in the dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but, but they took it off my hands and uh, took, you know, presumably are taking care of it in an appropriate way for, for the problem it's having. Yeah, we have a place like that in, in Portland. I don't remember what it's called now. I've been there out there once out in this, this weird industrial area in North Portland that you know, no one ever goes to. And uh, they'll take everything that no one else will take uh, so the, 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 the weird battery, uh, I'm sorry, the weird light bulbs from my old projector that, that, that have some sort of dangerous chemical in them and the, the, the paint that has lead in it that's been sitting in someone's basement for 20 years, that sort of thing. So yeah, there's, there's always some place to take it. Well, not always, but hopefully think, things like that can, can find a home if you search around. It's usually a, you have to take the effort to find them. And obviously, in my case, it was possible. I mean, who knew that Woodenville, literally Woodenville, had an industrial district? Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, um, the other, I mean, there's, there's a, another leap of faith here, right? You're, you're assuming that whomever you're handing this off to is going to handle it in a responsible way. We've certainly seen news stories where that may not necessarily be the case, but right. that's about as, as, you know, as much control as you have is to at least trying to get it into the hands of somebody who's going to do that. You should just nope. cut out the middleman and throw it in a dumpster yourself. Yeah. You know, if you were a hoarder, but you were a really good hoarder, you know, <laughs> you weren't somebody that just had stuff in your house, but you were like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really do this thing. You could just open up a place and just say, I'll take anything. And, <laughs> but you're just, you just store it. You don't actually do anything with it. You just have huge warehouses filled with whatever people bring you. And just uh, enjoy your, your hoarding life. <laughs> And then when you die, somebody has yeah. to take care of it. You could yeah. be like king of the hoarders. You could be like, I'm not just a hoarder. I'm the best at it. There's a, you know, there's a reality show in there somewhere. Yeah. Local, local man creates super fun sites single-handedly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we're running a little close to the end here, but I wanted to throw out this last, this last item here. I ran across this this afternoon. Um, there's, for, if people don't realize it, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp are all Facebook products. They're all evil. They're all owned by uh, Facebook. And as it turns out, uh, Zuckerberg ap apparently wants to unify them. Now, he, the, the, the article that I read, which of course we'll link to in the show notes, doesn't or actually says explicitly that they don't plan to unify the user interfaces. They're not going to turn it into a single app. They're going to unify the back end so that there's one set of technology in their data centers to make these guys run. I'm kind of of the opinion that it honestly, since they're all Facebook anyway, I think it'd be kind of cool if they actually did a better job on you know, putting together a single application that, um, that did it all. Um, I'd be very happy with that. I use all three at various times and it would be very nice to have a single, a single Insta message, what, or what Insta message or something like that. 
um, that did it all. Uh, Instant each, message app, yeah. Each, each of them, um, you know, has their pros and cons, and the cons get annoying if you use them long enough, especially when you know but that, hey, this app over here that you guys own does this particular thing better. Um, it'd be nice to see it all unified. But I just thought it was an interesting step. But it is another case of a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, it's all Facebook. So for some reason, I'm flashing on the Borg. You will be assimilated. Yes, resistance is futile. The, uh, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think Microsoft went that same route when they picked up Skype, right? But they did the other thing where they actually ended up killing they first merged in the original MSN Messenger into Skype and then very slowly just made MSN Messenger go away um, and replaced it all with Skype. And that's kind of the scenario that in the long run seems like it would play to Facebook's strengths uh, better. Yep. Well, there's the whole thing of competing against yourself too, right? Yeah. True. Have have instead of having a one single messaging platform and then having a competitor spring up to challenge you, uh, have two or three and have them compete against each other. You win no matter who you know which one people choose, right. and a fourth competitor or you know there certainly are plenty um, has a harder time breaking in. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's certainly no shortage of competitors. Um, and I'm probably running several of those as well, uh, just because, you know, my, my philosophy has always been that, you know, I'm the techie guy. I can figure out which tool to use to communicate with you. What do you use? And I'll just use that um, whenever, I'm, whenever I'm interested in messaging somebody. Cool. Oh, Randy, let's go ahead and squeeze in that last one about uh, the NSA. Yeah, the NSA, you know that ultimate three-letter acronym organization that is listening to us right now. Yeah, we just put ourselves on their radar. Yeah. Podcast so, is available to everybody. You can't criticize them for listening to us. Yeah. No, but they're listening to us while we're, we're recording it, oh. <laughs> not after we release it. Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah. So NSA has a sense of humor. They put a, um, a cell phone charging station at a hacker's conference. <laughs> And the little sign says, you know you want to try it. <laughs> and it's, it's to um, recruit people to work for them that are, you know, very computer savvy. I think it's really dang clever. And, of course, it went semi-viral. It, it got around on Twitter and such. And I just was amused that they went, went for that. Um, and when, they, when it was tweeted out, people were saying, what could go wrong or totally not a trap. Yeah. <laughs> and the agency says we're trying to be edgy. And, you know, I, I think it was pretty darn clever. I'm assuming the charging station only charged. Probably. <laughs> That's what they want you to believe. Sure. <laughs> but how would you really know? Well, I mean, even if they assured take us. Take it apart. <laughs> take it apart, put something in the middle that monitored the signals. I mean, you know, USB isn't that hard to monitor. Yeah, but you never know how they may have done it. There's a uh, um, a device. I call it a USB condom, where um, USB the, the standard USB connector has four wires, two power and two data, 
And the problem, of course, is that when you're connecting to a random uh, plugging station, like whatever the NSA provided, you're connecting all four wires. The USB condom uh, really only connects the power wires. It just leaves the, uh, the data wires unconnected so you can actually safely uh, charge your device. It's meant for people who travel, who use things at you know, uh, airports and so forth. Uh, but in that same vein, given that USB is divided up that neatly into power and data, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that hard to throw something onto the data lines and just sort of watch what happens when you plug it into uh, to a power charger. I well, think this is. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. I was oh, going to say, if if you go, <laughs> if you go to uh, these kind of hackers conferences, I mean, it's kind of those people know you don't plug things into your your thing. I mean, it, if you, if you find a, a, Oh yeah, I found a free USB key lying on the ground, you know, no, yeah. <laughs> no. And yet didn't they hack a bunch of people by having an open Wi-Fi hotspot some years ago? I, probably. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's probably enough people just uh, who aren't, who aren't seriously in the industry who just want to check it out. And, and they're the ones probably logging on. The posers and wannabes. Yeah. I, I think you know it'd be interesting to have like an you know NSA part of the NSA job interview. It was like, oh, we're running a bit behind, but feel free. There's coffee and <laughs> you charge your device. You could plug in right here, and if they plug in immediately, somebody comes out and says, "You can go now." <laughs> <laughs> you fail. <laughs> you're not. Uh, you're not NSA material, or for any any security company, you know, wants to do the same thing. <laughs> Or they just give you here's a here's a USB USB with some free stuff on it. Take it home while we look over your resume. And if at any time they plug it in, then it's immediately it's like sorry. It sends them a message, yeah. yeah but if it get, but if it gets destroyed, if it detects that you know it sends out a signal that it's being destroyed, then that's like plus points. <laughs> or, or it has a little document in there that says if you read this and we didn't get notified that you looked in this, we want to well, talk. Yeah, there you go. Send us this code. Ooh, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. There are ways to do that. There are ways. There are ways. There are always ways. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap. Excellent. Also, ways to contact us about this show. Let us know what you think. There are. are. They're not even secrets. Anybody, even the NSA, can contact us. And all of your comments to savits at (laughs) gmail.com. Yes, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast. I'm going to continue on since nobody jumped in. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh56. We would appreciate your rating the podcast in whatever app you use. And hey, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again here next week. Bye. Bye.